This is a unique podcast exploring the criminal justice system and those involved and affected. We'll educate and expose the public as well as potential jurors to what takes place behind the scenes of those who are facing the system. Your host owns a litigation support firm called Justice Technology Professionals, and he works on criminal and civil cases offering support to defendants and counsel. What you're about to hear is an open dialogue, opening the minds to the public, to what takes place in reality, as opposed to what you think takes place. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Justice Tech Pros Podcast. Here's your host, Dominic Crea. Good evening, listeners. Or actually, I should say good uh, early morning. It's about 2 a.m., Eastern Time. As you know, if you've been listening, I always try to get these done whenever I have some time, and now's the time, I guess, that I found, so even though it's two in the morning, but keeps my uh, mind busy, so I don't mind it. Uh, Today, I wanted to actually talk about, and I hinted at this on the last episode, I wanted to just go over, I think it's important for defendants and for the defendant's family and also the defense team to look at the bigger picture a lot of times when they're trying to fight a case. You know, normally you have the standard way and the standard protocol of doing things. You hand everything over to the attorney. The attorney does their best, providing you have a solid attorney. They do their best uh, to, you know, win the case for you. They work on it. They put their effort into it. And, you know, that's normally the standard process on on moving along. From what I've noticed, a lot of times defendants aren't as involved as I personally think they should be. I think by the defendant being involved every step of the way, it keeps everybody honest. It keeps the attorneys on their toes. It keeps all members of the team involved. Because unfortunately, sometimes you do get attorneys that may lax a little bit because they know the defendant is not involved And they're not really diving into the material, diving into the discovery at a level at which they should be. After all, they're getting paid to do a service. And as most of people are aware, I have been in the service industry my whole life, since I'm a kid, over 20 years. And it doesn't really matter what the industry, when you're dealing with people, you're talking about service. And you're talking about being paid to perform. And if somebody's giving you money to do a task, you need to do it 100%. That's the way I believe, regardless of how small the task or how large. And in this case, this is a large task, especially in criminal defense. You're talking about somebody's livelihood. Even in P&I, you're talking about somebody who could have got injured, uh, somebody whose life is now changed because of an injury. I mean, either way, you're dealing with a person's well-being. So it's very important that all members of the team are firing on all cylinders and really producing and doing everything they can. And unfortunately, I see a lot of times cases where things just aren't being done that could be done. And whether it's laziness, whether it's not caring, or whether it's just not being aware of of certain avenues one could take and some out-of-the-box techniques that could be implemented. And, And I want to talk a little bit about that today. Because the purpose of the show is to help defendants to have the public understand certain things of what took place. So I think it could help across the board. 
Uh, it's an interesting topic. It gives uh, the listeners something to think about. And if any defendants are listening, maybe they could bring it to their attorneys and kick it around and see what they think. But what I've actually been doing, I've switched. I shouldn't say I switched gears because the cases I was working on, I would utilize this method. But I switched gears in the sense that I had a few attorneys who have come to me, come to my firm to to work on certain cases, and we've been kicking around different ideas on how we could enhance working on their case at a level that's really outside the norm. Uh, To explain a little bit where it's not based on just emotions, based on the paperwork, and based on preparing for trial, using other sources. Now think about it. When somebody gets indicted, what happens? Most of the time, especially if it's a high-profile case. There's headlines... There's articles, there's blogs, there's forums, there's social media talking about it, there's Facebook groups talking about it. Now, whose side of the story is that? We all know that's not the defendant's side, right? It's the government putting out press releases. It's whoever's contact that they may have at the newspaper, at the media outlets. It's feeding them information with their narrative based on one perspective, one side, usually the government side or the law enforcement side or whoever's involved in the bringing the charges, the prosecution side, usually what is being discussed and what is being floated around is only giving one side of the equation. So now what happens? You have the, the public, before the jury's even picked now, you have the public reading all that. You have the public listening to all that, reading articles, they may not be paying great attention to it, but they're reading it. They'll see it come up. They'll, they'll glance over it. And it's somewhere inside their head. And why I say it's somewhere inside their head is because who knows? Maybe they get picked to be a juror. And now they remember reading an article. And it obviously wasn't a positive article for the defendant. Usually these articles pretty much have everybody guilty from inception. They don't list any positive information, any positive uh, evidence, anything that may clear the defendant, possibilities where the defendant is not guilty. Usually it's painted with a very broad brush, brush and the brush is drenched in guilt. And that's normally how it plays out. You could read through each article and that's pretty much all the uh, details they give all relate to how this person would be guilty if they go to trial. So now, something that would seek commonsensical, seek seem commonsensical, doesn't always happen, and it just it doesn't play out. And I don't know if it's due to hesitation, due to people not just being aware of how how it can be done, how it could be accomplished, and, and that's the point of today. I want to elaborate on that a little bit. Now, I started this podcast to help the case I was working on, uh, to talk a little bit about my father's case. And it just started growing and and changing as things went by and topics came up. And I wanted to bring to light a little bit about what took place during the trial, what took place after the trial, just to get some words, some attention out there. And in hopes that people will pick it up. Now, you could kind of implement the same concept for anybody. Let's say you're going to trial. Let's say somebody's indicted and all you are seeing is the headlines and the stories and the Facebook groups and the social media where it's all negative. It's everything bashing the defendant, bashing everything involved, talking about 
generalizations. These type of people are no good. You get all kinds of comments like that, which in itself is so discriminatory and so blatantly biased, it's insane. And that's that's the jury pool. That's what you got to worry about, people making those comments. So I was talking with a few uh, clients, and we were discussing methods where the defense could fight back, where the defense could then put an oppositional podcast out, put oppositional social media out, put contradicting articles out, contradicting write-ups out. And hopefully a journalist, somebody will pick up on it, they'll see it, they'll take some interest, and it'll kind of snowball from there. So you could do certain things where we're, work, we're thinking about working on a project where I actually speak with the attorney and he talks a little bit about the case, bring some light into it. Now, the tricky part is you just have to be careful in the sense you can't really cover anything, obviously, that's under a protective order. Because trust me, that's what they'll be looking for. If a defendant touches on anything that's under a protective order, there's going to be a huge problem. So you have to make sure you're in compliance with that. You have to see what what the protective order covers. And you'd want to really hit on things and discuss things that don't fall under that umbrella. Now, as we know, when media talks about things, a lot of those items are under the protective order. And they miraculously get it somehow. So I wonder who's feeding them that. But I think we all know the answer to that. But if the defendant does that, that's a big problem, right? So you have to think around that. You have to meet with your team, discuss some of the items that you want the public to be aware of that are not in the press, that are not being spoken about. And you could bring some light to it. And there's tools to get engagement on it, to get traffic to it. I spoke about it on one of my um, posts. They have YouTube advertising. And YouTube advertising, I I never really used uh, Google ads and things like that for my business. I just never... For me personally, through the years, when I first started, it wasn't even around. But recently, it's just not really a mode or an avenue that I went down. I just didn't find it productive. I didn't find it to bring in the business that justified the cost. But this is a little different. This would be where you're allocating a budget without expecting any kind of financial return on it. You know, unless you're these podcasts that are looking to make a living doing podcasts, then I don't know, that's a whole different world. What I'm talking about now, I'm just talking about to get the word out. If you just want to get the word out, you have to make peace with the fact that you're going to have to spend some money. And it's an unabsorbent amount of money, but it's some money you're going to have to to put aside specifically for, you could call it a media budget. They have uh, YouTube ads, and we all see them. You'll watch YouTube videos. And the ad will play um, at the beginning or in the middle sometimes or at the end of the video. So let's say you do a podcast or even a video where you're reading a story, whatever it may be to help your defendant just to start changing that narrative a little bit, just to get into the potential jurors' minds, another side of a story. Now, you're not going to argue the case, obviously, in the media, but you're going to do the same thing. You're going to counteract the negativity. Unfortunately, you're not going to be able to do it on the scale at which the government or, or law enforcement is able to do it at because A, they have more contacts. B, the contacts are going to want to align with them as opposed to the defendant. So you're going to have to do a lot of this on your own. But there are avenues you could do that. You could use Instagram, Twitter. YouTube's a great 
you know, outlet and then you could link it to a lot of these podcast sources like Stitcher, all these different iTunes. People make it like it's this big groundbreaking thing to be listed on iTunes, listed on Stitcher. It's a matter of like pretty much uploading to a platform. There's a platform that I like called Podbean. You upload one episode to it. And, and it, I forgot what it is. It's not a lot. It's a yearly charge. But you upload one episode to it and it dishes it out to all the different sources. Uh, Amazon, uh, Spotify, and things like that. So you're really just recording once and then you're just uploading to YouTube and then you're uploading to whatever platform you choose. I personally chose Podbean. That's what I use. But you could upload it to anything you know that you choose. And there's also... Two new ones that I that I came across that aren't pa- part of the Podbeam linked platforms. One is called Verbal. It's V U V U R B L. So it's V U R B L dot com. And the other one's a new one which I like a lot. It actually, I signed up for it. I was invited to sign up for it. Now, I don't know if it was like an invitation only thing or it's just like. A uh, new company trying to build up, but it, it can't hurt to sign up for it. It's called Audia.io, A-U-D-E-A.io. And apparently, I didn't read too much into it. I just signed up. I started uploading podcasts to it, but it appears to be specifically geared towards podcasting. So who knows? It may be like a new platform of the future. I'm like one of the first, I think, 500 podcasts on there. Uh, now that I mention it, I'm sure <laughs> some people are going to start diving into it, which is, you know, um, th- that's what it's for. It's basically just for podcasts. I thought that was a pretty cool idea because the videos I've seen about it when I got the invitation, um, it seems as though it's going to be geared solely for podcasting and searching podcast videos, whereas YouTube, as you know, it's every type of video you could think of. This seems to be more geared specifically for podcasts, so. I thought that was pretty cool, but that'd be another source. Now, my point is the culmination of all these things. Think about it now. Say you want to talk about defendant John Q, okay? Now, in all of your headlines, all of your descriptions, all of your topics, you start putting John Q in everything. So now John Q is located on this verbal, on this audio, on Stitcher, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, on YouTube, now, people start searching John Q because, as we know, when they go to, uh, when a juror is picked, even though the judge may tell them, don't search the internet, don't do this, you know they're going to do that, right? So when they do that now, as opposed to only seeing all of the negative, all of the bad stories, all the negativity, now they may get a, a different side. They may hear the podcast. They may see what you put out if you write an article. Or a blog. Say you're writing a a weekly blog on the defense, on the case, where you can talk about it. As I said, not the protective order stuff. I don't want you doing that because defendants are held to a different standard. So defendants will have a problem if they talk about protective order items. So speak with your defense team. See what you can talk about. Maybe you put out a a weekly blog about it and then you read it. These are all tools that can be used, and then you promote it on Instagram, you promote it on Twitter, you use you use um, popular related hashtags, and it starts to build up. Now, I'm not saying 
oh, that's it. It's going to flood everything. It's going to be all over the Google. I'm not saying that at all. What I am saying, though, is now there's something there, whereas there wasn't. So, whereas prior, if they searched John Q, they would only get the negative side of things. Now they're going to get some positive ones mixed in. And that's how you start to counteract these things. Because up until this point, I mean, it's so one-sided. When you start seeing how things play out in media, and then you go into these groups, and you have all these forum fools, as I call them, talking about nonsense... And you could tell, the reason why I call them forum fools is this. They're not logical and they're not rational. And I say that with confidence because I have seen, I've had a lot of discussions sent to me. And you could see when there's a, a topic going on about a defendant or about an informant, whatever it may be. If they're a big fanboy of the informants, people may show them logical, factual arguments court records, this and that, and they'll still make excuses to defend the person. Now, I'm not saying it's right or wrong, whatever. That's your thing. You want to defend it? That's fine. But don't act as if you're this rational thinker who only wants the facts, who's only interested in the, you know, whoever's guilty should go away, whoever's innocent shouldn't. Don't paint it a different picture than it is. And and I laugh because, me personally, I wouldn't even waste my time with a group of individuals like that. It's just not even... Uh, my type of caliber that I'd even mix with. I like to deal with individuals that will look at things from a, a, an outside perspective, will weigh things. And I have no problem with disagreeing. I have no problem with them telling me, Dominic, you know what? You showed me A, B, and C, but I'm going to tell you, when I look at A and we start having a discussion where they'll start pulling things out and say, well, they could interpret it this way. You know, there's an actual intelligent dialogue. It's not just, I, I almost picture like, the little kids, you know, when, you, when you're trying to tell a little kid something and they stick their fingers in their ears and they make a noise not to hear you, that's what it reminds me of when you see a lot of these forum fools having the, the discussion that they have. And you, you really can't try to appeal to that audience. You have to appeal to a more intelligent, a more socialized audience, uh, an audience who, who has logic free thinkers, an audience who does want to try to enforce due process, wants to make certain that the country they live in does give everybody a fair trial, regardless whether they agree with the person or not, whether they like the person or not, that's irrelevant. You want to deal with unbiased people. Obviously, you can't do that because you're putting it out there, but you will hit them. You will hit them up. You'll hit a lot. I mean, in the time I've been doing what I've been doing, I've been getting a lot of positive emails. And it's not so much the positive emails that I enjoy. What I enjoy most is when I get an email forwarded to me that says, you know what, I didn't know that. I didn't know this took place. Now that I read that, I'm shocked that this happens. I'm shocked that this goes on in the justice system. Those are the emails that mean something to me. Because that tells me I'm dealing with an open-minded individual who perhaps thought the justice system played out appropriately and people did receive fair trials, and people did get due process handed to them properly. And now when they're enlightened, or they're shown a different way, or they're shown a reality of what actually took place in a specific case, and you see a light bulb go off, and they appreciate being informed of that, that's, that's what I enjoy getting. That's when I know at least... 
at least I'm making a little bit of a difference. And as I always say, I don't, I'm not doing anything groundbreaking here. I'm not curing cancer here. I'm just trying to appeal to an audience. I'm trying to inform them of things I'm aware of, things I see play out. I'll voice my opinion plenty of times, but my opinion's irrelevant. My opinion's irrelevant. What is relevant is just understand the factual aspect of what I'm talking about. The chain of events. What took place in reality. Not my opinion on it. Not whether I agree with it. Not whether I don't agree with it. None of that matters. Not my opinion on informants. How I, how I view them morally. None of that matters. What matters is who's telling the truth. Who's lying. Who has an agenda. Who has something to gain? Who was pretty much cleared of any accountability in exchange for their testimony? Those are all things that one needs to weigh when they're making a decision or when they're trying to come up with a definitive conclusion of a situation. You want to know all those things. Or I should say, a rational thinking person wants to know all those things. They want to be aware of those things. And I believe defendants need to start thinking outside the box on these items. And it's not about putting out articles that are BS. You know, don't sink to the level of a lot of those those counter articles where a lot of it is nonsense. Try put out the truth. Put out if you have a strong case, you have a defendant who's innocent. Put out things that will show that. Put out things that when fact checking is done, it'll check out. I'm not talking about good PR where you're just putting out, you know, blowing smoke up the audience, you know what. I'm talking about, or up the defendants, I should say. I'm talking about putting out legitimate information that ties in, that's easily provable, that you could put up documents that you're allowed to share to correlate to the point you're trying to give. That's what's important. A lot of people who are trying to analyze a situation fairly, they want facts. Unfortunately, going back to the forum fools, facts mean nothing. They just want to hear their own rhetoric. I'm talking about somebody who's truly trying to analyze the situation. They want facts. So you need to give as much facts as you can to support what you're saying. It's great if I just tell you something, right? Okay, that's great. It, it makes an impact. If, if you like my delivery, if you like what I'm saying, we align with the same uh, tra- train of thought, and that's a great thing to have as well. But now if you're appealing to an audience who may be standoffish, but you're supporting what you say with factual information, that's going to be what the difference is. That's what's going to tip the scales where they say at least, okay, what's going on isn't right, I got to look at it a little more closely. And for the jurors out there and the potential jurors on any cases that you may be serving on or any cases that may be coming up, well, if you're serving on a case, I don't think you should be listening to this, so remember that. But any cases that should be coming up, these are all things you want to keep in, in your mind. When you are thinking about if you are already influenced by perhaps articles you read or blogs you read or social media groups, Facebook groups you were in where you read something on somebody. Take a step back. Take a step back and ask yourself, where did that originate? Where did that come from? How did that story get out? Why is it only one-sided? Just take a step back and look at the situation. 
I'm not telling you to change your mind. All I'm telling you to do is look at the situation. Ask yourself those questions. What is the agenda here? What could somebody have to gain by putting this out? Why is there only one side? Now, we know there's two sides to every story. So you want to ask yourself why you're only getting one side. Think about that when you're reviewing this information, when you're reading it, when you're participating possibly in the back and forth in those groups. Ask yourself that question. Why is it only one side? And if it is one side, that means there has to be another side. And leave yourself open to that. And that that's where I think the defense team needs to be a bit more proactive on that. There's nothing wrong in having members of your team posting things. Go in these groups, post blogs, post articles, post whatever you can. Form alliances with those who possibly have a large media outlet. Get them to read articles that perhaps work in the favor of your defendant. That perhaps shed a different light on it. Give some good news. Give a different an alternative way of looking at it outside of the countless, countless press releases that went out bashing the client, bashing the charges, painting somebody guilty time after time again. And when you think about it, think about all the headlines you read. Think about how they read and they're always a certain way and they're worded a certain way. So now if you start going against that green, it creates a whole different dynamic. I was laughing to myself because I heard somebody on one of these podcasts, I can't remember which one because you know I listened to a, a lot of them. Unfortunately, I have to listen to a lot of them because uh, some of them are, are helpful for cases. And somebody was saying that the government side is never given or law enforcement side is never given in the media. That is the most ridiculous statement I think I've ever heard. In 40 years, even when I was a little kid, because I'm 43, so when I was a little kid running around, even then I knew it was ridiculous, okay? Every media headline we hear, every narrative that comes out, that's from the government side. You you don't get defendants telling their story. That happens very rarely. You know when you get defendants telling their story? I'm going to tell you. On Friday and Saturday nights when you're watching Dateline and you're watching 2020, and you see everybody who's wrongfully convicted and they serve 10 years or 13 years, that's when you finally hear from the defendant and their family. That's when you finally hear from it. But during the trial, during the it's all the government side, it's all law enforcement side. And listen, that's the game. I get it. That's how they do it. But now it's time for the defense to, to fight back. It's time for the defense to do things. Now, the defense has to be a little bit more crafty and they have to be strategic about it because you don't want to get into any issues over it as i touched on earlier you don't want to share things you're not supposed to share so it'll take a lot of brainstorming it'll take a lot of strategy sessions but it can be done the right way you want to talk to the team you want to talk about the best way of approaching things Uh, some people have a certain conduct that they want to adhere to so They don't want to say certain things. Uh, They don't want to approach it in a certain way. So you have to take everybody's personality into account. And you could come up with something and a strategy to counteract, even if it's on a small scale, to counteract what's currently happening. Because as of now, as we know, there's very little out there showing opposition. Very little out there. So when I heard that 
Right now, the FBI and the government side is never given the, the funniest thing I've ever heard. Funniest thing I've ever heard. Most nonsensical statement probably of this decade. Because that's all you hear. From every media source, that's all you hear. I could pull up headline after headline after headline to prove that argument wrong. I'll pull up story after story after story to prove that argument wrong. And I'm going to have to wait till Saturdays and Fridays to wait for Dateline and uh, 2020 or 48 hours to show the defense side, which takes place 10 years later after people were already in jail, wrongfully convicted. Then, then I could show the defense side and the attorneys on the defense side. I was watching a, um, I think it was a, uh, tw- uh, hold on, let me think, what was it? Okay, I think it was a, a Dateline. Um, it was called Gone Girl. I had to look at my phone. I don't, I don't have the name of the show, but I, I took a picture, actually, of the episode because I was so impressed with the attorney that was on this episode that I'm actually going to reach out to him. But anyway, um, the episode was called Gone Girl, and it was just about this girl who got kidnapped. And she legitimately got kidnapped, and of course, right away, the police tried saying the husband did it. She was alive, thankfully. She, she you know, she was able to, to get out of there. But before they found her, they were blaming the the husband, telling him he's guilty, he killed her, all this. They didn't want to hear everything. And then when the girl came back, they tried saying the husband and the wife were pulling a scheme, that she never really was kidnapped. It was a mess. If you, if you get a chance, I'm pretty sure it was 20, uh, Dateline. Let me just check. Uh, give me one second. Okay, I was wrong. It wasn't, uh, <laughs> it wasn't uh, Dateline. It was ABC's 2020. And the episode's called Gone Girl. And um, if you get a chance, just watch it. It's very interesting, but it's more disturbing just to see. And they wound up getting sued. The police department got sued and everything, and they lost. But just seeing what took place to this couple, it's terrible. I really felt this poor girl, which she must have went through, and the husband. Can't even imagine something like that. But my point just being, that's when you see the defense side of things. After you already go through this whole dramatic experience, that's when you see it. So to say anything different is pure ignorance, and it's it's probably somebody who just wants to buddy buddy up with the with the other side, just to get points, I guess. But the most important thing that I want to really convey today is the defense has alternate means to fight back. Yes, you can fight back in the courtroom. Unfortunately. A lot of the times you're getting decimated in everywhere else. You're getting decimated in social media. You're getting destroyed in the headlines. So you got to fight back by alternative methods. And it's outside the box. It's really not done often, but it, it needs to be done. Because you're going to be up against the jury. Whether you're getting a retrial, whether you, you're, you're going to trial. You're going to be facing a jury again. So now... You have to take the chance. And what I like about those YouTube ads, you could pick where you want the ad to play. So if I want the ad to play in New York, or I want it to play uh, in Manhattan, or I want it to play in the Bronx, where, where the potential jury pool is, that's where I could target the video. So if I want to put out a weekly blog on that, or make a video about the case, then I could target those YouTube videos. And, and you're increasing your odds of connecting with a potential juror. I'm not saying it's definite. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it's something. It's something where there was nothing. 
So if you don't do that, there's zero. There's nothing out there. There's no other perspective on it. There's no other side to it. They're only going to hear whatever negative headlines come out. Now, me, I would be way more aggressive with my tactics, uh, my guerrilla marketing, if you want to call it. But, you know, and I spoke about this a while back. I I would like to do press releases on certain things and word them a certain way. Uh, The defense team wasn't too crazy about that. I still disagree with them on that. But that's a fight for another day. But I do believe press releases are a good way to get things out uh, because you get one or two sources. And remember, it's all about it's all about influencing the keyword searches. So when people start searching the defendant, start searching the case, they're not only seeing bad. When they're in these groups, they're not only seeing bad. And it'll also show the true colors of a lot of these people in the group. Because you have to realize, prior to anything positive coming back out, right? All of these forum fools, all they had to talk about was the narrative that was out there. The narrative from the government, the narrative from the news source, uh, from the media who was working with the government or working with the prosecution. That's all they had to talk about, right? So now when they're discussing it, they really don't look one-sided because it fits their agenda. It fits the alignment that they have. It fits the team that they're on, so to speak. Now, when an oppositional argument is made or a different side is now displayed to be viewed and discussed, if that person is still so adamant, they just showed their cards. They just showed what they're really there for. They're not there to have a discussion. They are there to push the agenda. And don't kid yourself. The same way I'm saying that the defense team could put people in the groups to post positive things, to talk about you know, it's common sense, right? You don't think that the prosecution or the government or law enforcement has people in the groups doing the exact same thing? And here's the key again. They're going to show their true colors. They're going to show their cards. I always like playing poker. Always been a very good poker player. I could read people very well. So now you're in that group, right? You'll be able to read who's who. Wait for their tells. You know how they call tells? Wait for their tell. Wait for how they talk. Wait for how they get fired up. If anything positive is being shown, if anything is now opposing the narrative that's been beat in their heads in these forums for years and years where they're able to go in there and just talk about everybody under the sun and act as if they're in the know and act as if they have this special inside track and they know the deal and they know who's a bad person, who's a good person, who did this, and they throw around all this false information, all these false facts. The second something positive is comes out, watch their reaction. That's going to tell you everything you need to know. That's going to tell you exactly who they are. So it's a good way of flushing that out as well. But listen, here's the bottom line. If you're in those groups, you better expect it. Those are the, you know, fanboy groups like I spoke about. So you're going to, you know, that's that's the caliber of people you have in there. I mean, that's just a fact. You have certain people, that's the level they're at. That's what they find interesting. And I'm sure you have. I, I'll make one bet with you. I'm sure you have some people in there who are there maybe because they're interested and they just want to learn certain things or they just want to know about it. I'll bet you any amount of money that if they try speaking up, they get like bashed by all the 
solidified forum fools who've been in there, the veterans, the veterans of the groups, I'll bet anything they get bashed by them. I'd like to send in a spy just to watch all that, but I guarantee, I wouldn't even want to waste my time with that nonsense, but I guarantee they're in there, uh, they're in there doing that. And actually, funny story, on that note, and it was out of my character, but I just couldn't take this guy, just wouldn't shut his mouth. Somebody kept sending me um, snapshots of a conversation taking place in one of these one of these forums, and uh, it was a lot of nonsense and it was a lot of disparaging remarks. And I didn't like. It was a lot of inaccurate information. He was talking about my father's case. He was talking about my father, <clears throat> and I don't know. One day I just had enough of hearing his moronic back and forth. I actually joined the group. I joined it under my handle. I'll always join something under my handle, which is the company, Justice Tech Pros. So I know everybody talks, you know, they talk very brave on these podcasts about, oh, everybody, you know, is anonymous and they don't want to. So it's either going to be my name or the company handle, Justice Tech Pros. So I joined under that and I responded to this guy. And I'm not the type, I, I couldn't care. I'm not trying to convince him of anything. Uh, you know, I'm not there. But what I did, the way I did respond was I laid out facts and I laid out my side of my story and I laid out uh, a legitimate argument. And he pretty much didn't have anything to say after that. That was the end of that. I guess he didn't want to respond. I think I made two comments. First time in my life I made two comments. Probably had to do with, it was right after the trial ended and the last thing you want to hear is some moron spitting out false information. But I, but I, am, known to, I am known to do that. You know, and I'm going to do it the right way. There's nothing wrong in having a healthy debate, but if you're going to tag me, you're going to want to engage with me, you're going to want to have a discussion, I'm not going anywhere. I'll have that discussion. I'll gladly talk to you. There won't be any false names. There won't be any fake profiles. It's going to be me. And you search me, you search the internet, you get all the information you want. So you could call, email, whatever you want to do. And, And the truth is, it's... You don't really want to go down that road. I don't recommend it, and I'll tell you why. As a family member, me, I'm very thick-skinned. I don't care what anybody thinks except for my family and my close friends. I really don't care. Their opinion, you know, if I respect them, that's a different story. I'm talking about on that level, in these groups and online, it means absolutely nothing to me. I know what I'm dealing with, so it has no effect, no impact on me. Couldn't care. But not everybody's like that. So I don't recommend that for families for friends, for loved ones. I don't recommend that because honestly, you're going to get nothing but headaches. Then you'll get people uh, jumping in and teaming up and, you know, they think they're tough. They think they're crazy online. You know, you get all the keyboard warriors who are crazy on a computer. So I don't really recommend that route, to be honest with you. Let them say whatever they're going to say. It doesn't matter. It doesn't make sense to argue. That's not what I'm talking about. It's about. It's not about going into these groups and arguing and defending. Forget about that. You're not going to win. You're dealing with a lot of ignorant individuals, individuals who have an agenda, and individuals who may be aligned with the opposition. So they're not going to waver. So that's that. Understandably, they're not going to waver. That's it. Same way the defense isn't going to waver. So forget about that aspect. You're not there to change anyone's mind. What you're there to do is just give another side. So if there are members who are legitimately there to learn, to engage, to have a discussion, you'll appeal to them. 
you'll perhaps show them another side. You'll perhaps give them an alternative way of looking at it. That's what you got to keep in your mind. Don't engage. Don't go back and forth because you're not going to get anywhere. If you have somebody who legitimately doesn't want to listen to facts, to information, to court records, you're wasting your breath. Leave it alone. Who cares? Let them think what they want. I mean, think about it. Does it really matter what somebody and some moronic fanboy group thinks? It really doesn't. But for the ones who are in there possibly to learn, it doesn't hurt to put out some positive information. Maybe an article was written that, that is a fair article, that is an unbiased article. Put that in there. There are journalists who do that. There's not many. Trust me, there's not many. But there's a few that have done that, and I've spoken about that. And those are the articles you want to put in there. People who support their writing with factual documents. There's a lot of journalists out there, and then you'll say, okay, show me where you pulled that from. Where'd you get that? Where are you getting that information? And there's nothing. There's crickets. That's all you hear. But then there's some who could back everything up. Those are the ones you want to align with. Those are the ones that you want to follow. There was that journalist I posted a ton of his stories on the website and uh, on social media, that Bill uh, Mushi or Maushi. I don't know how to pronounce his name. I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly. It's M-O-U-S-H-E-Y. And uh, he was from a while back. He was in the late 90s, I believe. But the guy wrote some phenomenal articles. And it was all facts. It was all statistics. And he went through a lot of adversity for it. He had a lot of pushback because he was uncovering a lot of things. If you go to the uh, podcast website, jtppodcast.com, you'll see we have it, uh, it's under JTP Must Read, and you'll see a bunch of articles he wrote, and he wrote some phenomenal, his work was really great, and it's really informative, but that's what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about somebody who dives in, who gets the facts, who gets the data. Now, of course, you're going to get one thing you'll always get. If somebody does give a positive article about a defendant, you're always going to get the people who say, oh, what are you, their family member? What do you know them? What are you, a fan? That's just the way it goes. Meanwhile, when you think about it, they're kind of hypocritical because they're doing the exact same thing on the other side. The only difference is the person who's giving the favorable information is going off of facts. And the person who is defending the other information is just going off of somebody's word. And that just, again, talk about tells, that shows the tell. That's the fanboy. That's the fanboy and them coming out. You know, the freaking out. It reminds me like the screaming girls at the at the concerts. You know, screaming girls, they're freaking out. Screaming boys and girls, depending on who's performing, I guess. Freaking out, crying. You know, that's like the fanboy level. You can't say nothing negative. <laughs> but if somebody comes in and gives information that's favorable to a defendant, supported by facts, supported by what's going on, they spiral. They can't handle it. Their, their heads explode. You know, they get all rattled. It's it's pretty it's pretty amusing. God forbid you say anything about their idol. You know, <laughs> you know. So, my, I'm just hoping that the defense and defendants are listening to today's episode. Because you could utilize these tools. And as I said, I'm working with a few clients and we're talking about some upcoming things. So there may be some shows along those lines for different defendants. And any defendant, any attorney, feel free to email me 
all my information's on the page. I'll gladly talk about some other ideas, some other ways, uh, some thoughts I have and things you could do because that's all it's about. My objective here from day one is to do my small part to have the public look at things a little differently, to inform the public about what goes on that they may not be aware of, and to give the defense and the defendants some tips, some strategies, things they could implement to help get a fair case. It's not about proving somebody innocent if they're guilty. It's not about any of that. It's just about getting a fair case under the law, getting a fair trial. And that's what it's about, due process. Personal feelings aside, it's about due process. It's got to be fair on both sides. And right now, it's just not fair. And whoever tells you it is, they're not living in reality. Just look at the headlines. Look at what goes on. Look at what takes place. Just turn the news on. That's not fair. Fair is equal on both sides. Now, the disadvantage the defense has, obviously, they don't have the budget that the prosecution has, the state has, the government has, and they don't have the connections. They can't call a newspaper article and say, run this story. They don't have those kind of connections. So they're already at a big disadvantage. So you have to use what you can, and you have to try to tap resources that you have. And reach out to podcasts. You know, there's podcasts that maybe have a lot of subscribers, a lot of viewers, Reach out to them. See if they'll read your story. See if they'll take notice. You never know. You don't know until you ask, right? So those are the directions I would do. And those are just things that I wanted to talk about because I think it's important. And I think it's important that the defendants start fighting back a little bit more than they're already doing. I think the defendants need to take a proactive role and really start putting things out there. Use social media. Use Facebook. Use Instagram. You know, I just started getting involved in this way of thinking and this style as I started building Justice Technology Professionals. When I first started it out, it was basically nonsense uh, trying to help clients of mine where I was servicing them with my other organization where they couldn't, they had a hard time. I had um, attorney clients had a hard time opening up their hard drives for the discovery. They did not have sorted. So I started messing around with that. Unfortunately, uh, my father had to deal with his case right after that. So I dove into that and started working on that. And as time went by, things changed and things started morphing. And I started thinking of ways where the defense can, can fight back and where the defense can do methods that they never really did before. Things that aren't really done now need to be done because we got to start increasing those odds. We got to start increasing the winning percentages. We got to stop having wrongfully convicted people put in jail. We got to stop having people put in jail just because somebody thinks, ah, well, they're guilty of something. So does it really matter if they're guilty of the guilty of this? Yeah, guess what? It does. We live in the United States. You got to go by the Constitution. You got to be guilty of the charges that are brought against you. Not guilty based on labels, not guilty based on what who somebody says you are. You, you're not supposed to be guilty on that. You're supposed to be guilty of the charges brought against you. Evidence with the charges brought against you. Nothing else. That's how the law works. Now, I know the forum fools don't want to hear that. They just want to say, well, if this person is supposedly have this label, they're Italian and they're charged with RICO, they're guilty anyway. Okay, well, you're a moron. That's, you know, you're obviously, unfortunately, you'll probably serve on a jury 
And we all know how that's going to turn out. But that's not who you want. And I spoke about this, and I want to harp on it again. When you when the defense team is looking for jurors, you really got to ask them about these groups. If they're a member of these groups, find out what their username is. Find out what their handle is that they use in these groups. And try to get that. I don't know if you'll be allowed to. I don't know if the judge is going to let you. But you got to do that because a lot of these people are going to want to serve on the tr- on the jury and they're not going to be honest about who they really are and you want to make sure whatever they're saying online coincides with who they're portraying to be in the courtroom to be a juror. And that's all you want is a fair jury. You're not asking for anybody on your side. From day one, I always told our team, we don't want anybody on our side. We just want them going by the law and going by the facts. And the facts on the case, on my father's case, were terrible, ridiculously weak, non-existent, non-existent. But that's a story for another time, and we're going to be addressing that very soon. They actually should do a case study on that case after it's all said and done, just to show the public about what takes place when they're trying to get somebody who's considered a target, because that'll, that'll be a, a great wake-up call. Um, so that's really all I wanted to talk about today. Again, I put out content that I hope the listeners could learn from, that they find interesting, that's perhaps a little different than what currently is going on. And now with the podcast, there's so many podcasts, I just hope uh, this one reaches the public as best as it could. I spoke about this, I try to use YouTube advertising, I find that to actually be the best source of getting podcasts out there. Because they play a snigbit of the podcast during uh, another video, and it could bring it will bring people to your, to your site. You get views from it, you get listeners from it. And for me personally, I don't monetize. I'm not looking to make money, so I don't really care if it makes sense financially to pay on the YouTube. I'm not doing that. I allocate a certain budget budget for that purpose, just to get the word out there. So for me, it's a home run because the way I look at it. Say you get, <clears throat> say you get seventeen thousand views, twenty thousand views. Those are views you've never had before. And from what I was reading in the YouTube views, when you have the YouTube advertising, they have to listen for more than thirty seconds in order for it to count uh, for you to be charged for the ad. They have to listen for more than thirty seconds. So that means you engage somebody for thirty seconds. Thirty seconds is kind of long time when you think about it. I know me when I'm going through those ads. I'll normally just skip it after five seconds. So for them to listen for 30 seconds and then click over, that means you engage that person and then you could gain a subscriber. And if you're doing something similar to this show where you're just trying to connect with somebody and inform them of something, they may find your content interesting and uh, you, you gain the subscriber. A lot of our subscribers are all from that method. I found YouTube um, advertising great. At the beginning when I first started out, I was using a company, I don't, I don't want to give their name, it'll sound like a plug, but I was using a company, and they, they were good, but they were really expensive, to be honest with you. I was using a company that I hired, um, and they were doing, I think, um, Google ads, and I think YouTube ads, and some other, I, I don't know, they, they were doing a few things, and it was bringing traffic, don't get me wrong, but it was expensive, and it's just, again... I'm not making money on this, so there's only so much <laughs> I can allocate to this. I have to work really hard to compensate for it. 
And uh, that's why I'm doing my, a podcast. Now it's 2.50 in the, in the morning. But, you know, so you, you got to budget-wise, you have to think about those things. And the defense has to talk about that. And they have to come out with a budget that fits. So I, I do. Re- I gave my recommendations on the on the YouTube ads. I found that to be the most rewarding. And what I liked about it is you could select the demographic, you could select the region. So if you have a defendant in a certain district, you want to try to captivate the audience where the jury pool will be, and uh, you could do that. So I believe I covered everything I really wanted to hit on today. And hopefully a few of those projects I'm working on with a couple attorneys, I think the audience is going to find that interesting when we start talking about different cases. So that'll be something down the road once we iron everything out and we see what we're doing as far as strategy. And there's going to be some big things to come on on the cases I'm working on, and you'll be reading about that soon. One other thing to take into account, especially with the Italian RICO cases, and I've spoken about this, now you have, you know, everybody wants to be a star, right? All the uh, informants want to do podcasts and become famous and uh, rich over doing podcasts. But you have to factor that into any cases. Any cases that may fall, upcoming cases, future cases, current cases, that fall under a RICO charge where you have an Italian being charged with RICO, you have to factor in there's a a, a lot of informants doing podcasts where, again, talk about only giving one side. They're only giving their side of the story, obviously. And they're not going to say anything that rebuts that. They're not going to field any questions that rebut that. They're going to do nice easy interviews where everybody's, you know, idolizing them and ooh and ah and everything, hanging on every word. You're not going to see another side. So the defense needs to think about that. The defense needs to think about counteracting that as well. Now, it may only be relating on certain levels, but it can can expand because I I also saw, I believe, like um, different industries where you have certain people doing podcasts that may affect defendants. But where I've seen it big because of the cases I'm working on, it all has to do with uh, informants on Italian RICO cases, organized crime cases where they're you know, doing podcasts. So that's something you have to think about. You have to give an alternative. You have to rebut that. You have to show truth where lies are being spread. So the, those are all things in the strategy, and we have a few, a few things up our sleeve where we're gonna start, we're gonna start diving in with facts, not opinion, because I could probably do four hours on my opinion on what I think of a lot of these informants, and I, again, I wouldn't care who agrees with me and who doesn't, but that's just not my style. That's not what I'm here for. I'm not here to talk to you about my opinion. That's irrelevant. Again, people who care about my opinion are my family and my friends, and. Uh, people I do business with. Other than that, I really don't think the audience cares too much about my opinion, and that's not why I set this up. It's not a uh, personal opinion show. So, you know, the defense is going to be doing a few things, or I'm going to be doing a few things, where we're going to be going over facts. i got to clear a few things first. got to make sure certain things could be displayed and, and spoken about. But I, I want to give facts because you see a lot of misinformation. You see a lot of BS in plain English. 
So I, I want I want to give a lot of facts and then let the let the listener describe w- what they think. Outside of storytelling time, you know, where we're opening up storybooks and telling stories, I'm going to start giving some facts and then we'll we'll see where that lies. But my point just is that's an important thing for the defense team to start thinking about. A lot of these channels are being overrun with that. And people are on YouTube. Uh, jurors are going to be on YouTube. Jurors are going to be listening to YouTube. Got to start thinking about that. Got to start thinking about how to counteract that. How to give another side to that. How to show the truth. How to give you defending a voice. All things to think about. That's it for today. It's 3 o'clock now. So... I'm tired. Until next time. You've been listening to the Justice Tech Pros podcast with Dominic Crea, one of the most unique podcasts on the internet, discussing the obstacles the defense team faces when trying a case, what goes on behind the scenes during pretrial and motion phase, holding defense attorneys accountable, making sure they're fighting for their clients, the difference between textbook law and how things truly play out in a courtroom, and everything in between. And everything in between. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show and we'll be back soon until then find us on twitter facebook and instagram at justice tech pros to email the show with questions and comments it's podcast at justice tech pros.com till next time this is justice tech pros podcast and dominic crea signing off